0: Hi, everybody. This is Pastor David. Thanks again for joining me here on Take a Knee. Well, I just hit a really big marker in my life, and I just turned 60, and I'm excited about that, even though I told somebody recently that if this is definitely the first decade that I've experienced that I can feel every bit of it. <laughs> so here we are, and so excited about the message and podcast I have for you today. It's entitled Undaunted. When I think about being undaunted, I think about being unmovable. And this word, of course, is kind of directed toward men because Father's Day coming up. But I also wanted to say that this is a message that translates to everyone. When we think of courage, courage under fire, being undaunted means that you're just unmovable, that you're not going to be pushed out of the way when it comes to your convictions, when it comes to standing up for what is right when it means that you are a person of, again, of conviction. You know, I remember talking to my father-in-law who did a couple of tours of Vietnam, and I, kind of a person that loves history, I hung around a lot of of some of the old soldiers. In fact, I remember one of my first experiences was when I was working in high school. I worked in an engineering department department, of a manufacturing plant and I was preparing and wanted to become an engineer. And so this was my experience and I would be sent down to the lab and down there was this older gentleman who had fought in the Battle of the Bulge during World War II. And of course that made me very, very interested, but I was very careful. I never wanted to ask him questions that would make him uncomfortable in his experience, but he was really open. And matter of fact, he had a book of his experiences that I guess his division had experienced and put together, and he had it. And so it showed a lot of pictures of some of the men, and he was pretty proud of that. He let me take it home, and I studied it, looked it over, brought it back, and his name was Jack, and we had just a wonderful connection over those experiences. And again, getting back to what my father-in-law said, he said, David, when it came to battle, because that was one of the things I wanted to know was, what was it like to be Under fire and in battle. He was a special forces officer. And so he didn't necessarily experience a lot of actual face to face combat. What he was doing was training his counterpart in various parts of Vietnam, which I won't go into detail on on that. But he had experienced a lot of fire and did see warriors coming back, soldiers coming back who were injured or maybe even killed. And one of the things I asked him, I said, you know, Pops, I said, what was it like? To be under fire and how did you handle it and what was your experience how did you emotionally handle it and he said you know i did fine you know my thought was because he knew the lord and he was connecting with god and his times were in his hands he did pretty well but even then it came down to the raw emotion of how he would respond under fire and here's the thing that he told me you never know you never really know what a man or a woman is going to do when they're in combat They could be highly trained. They can seem like just the most courageous and the most celebrated soldier in their training, winning all the awards and all of the accolades regarding their training. But yet when they get into fire, he said, you know, I saw men curl up on the ground in absolute terror and couldn't be moved. In fact, I remember another time I was speaking with a chaplain who was in the military. One day we were on a run and he was a little bit late. And he said, yeah, I was late, David. I'm sorry about that. He said, I had to go on to a C-130 and pry off the plane, you know, literally get this young man out of the plane because he refused to jump. He was an 82nd airborne soldier and he had gotten up in the plane and he just said, I'm not jumping. And so, of course, won't go into all the detail of what <laughs> the jump master would have done to try to get him off the plane. But eventually, they called the chaplain in and said, Hey, help us. We got to get this guy off the plane. He is terrified. He is locked down. He is emotionally distraught. And what he told me was this is very common among soldiers, but for one particular reason, he said it was because he had just had his firstborn child. What I learned from hanging around a lot of soldiers was jumping out of that plane the first time, piece of cake. They were all trained, ready to go. They had no idea what they were getting ready to experience when that heat from the props and that wind hits your face and you jump out the door and the violence of that experience. And then, of course, the PLF and the experience of hitting the ground and perhaps a good jump, perhaps a violent jump. You never knew jumping in the dark, jumping in open areas, jumping in areas where there might be trees. I've heard every story you can imagine. In fact, I heard a story of a man, a friend of mine, who on a jump, a man above him, one of the soldiers above him, actually landed in the air on top of his canopy. And so there he was standing on top of his canopy. And so what that caused to happen, the man below is that it would steal his hair and the canopy began to collapse and so this man underneath this soldier underneath was getting ready to, of course, plummet to the earth and die. So he's yelling, telling him to get off. And so the guy on top literally is walking across this little spongy surface of this canopy that is going faster and faster. So anyway, they're yelling at each other and things can just get out of hand. But it's always that second jump that the soldier now knows what's coming. And if they've had any significant life change. It can be a real meltdown experience as it was with this soldier who the chaplain was trying to get off the plane and and uh, eventually talked to him and encouraged him and was able to understand what it was that he was fearing. And of course, it was that he would die and never know his son. He'd never know his child. These are things that happen to people in life. We think we're prepared for the things that go on. We think we're full of faith. We think we are ready. Bring it on for every contingency well, you know, we just went through a huge test when it comes to faith, didn't we? We went through a period of time in history that was definitely for those who have lived through the last 90 years of human history, that perhaps there were challenges and maybe even this one was one of the greatest that anybody in that period of time had ever experienced to have a global Lockdown of fearing a virus that could kill you and you had to stay in your home and couldn't go outside and having curfews and made to wear masks. All of this, of course, really tested the human spirit. It tested our faith. It tested our courage. You never know what a person's going to do when they are facing a critical, chaotic, fearful situation. And so what can we do about that? Well, we have to, of course, prepare as best we can. Not all of us know what we're going to do until we face it, but we can pray. We can ask God to help us to be courageous, to be undaunted, unmovable when those times come into our life. And that's not to say that we will not have experiences that are even close to that. It may not be a global pandemic. It may not be a global crisis, but within your globe, within your world, it is a crisis. Crisis of the lack of money, the crisis of hearing a bad report when it comes to your health, the crisis of losing a child or a friend or a family member. These kinds of things can come, and we don't know what our soul is going to do until we hit that wall may it be that none of us listening to this podcast ever have these experiences but we're going to have some and what we pray is to say lord may we never have those kind that bring us to the end of ourselves and may we never have to be tested in these ways but there's no guarantees so what do we do well we prepare the best we can. And we prepare in such a way that is biblical. We look to the scriptures to help us because really the only place you're going to find what I would call true courage and an undaunted, unmovable spirit is going to be from God. And the wonderful news about that, my friend, as you're listening, is that the Bible is absolutely from cover to cover all about having faith, all about having courage, all about looking at times. And we may think that humans have never faced a time like this. Well, in some ways, no, we haven't because of the technology and all the different things that are happening now. But certainly men's hearts have been challenged in the same way that our hearts are being challenged. And so we can look to scripture to help us how to build a courageous spirit, how To build our faith and know how to stand in times of real darkness. I want to look at a couple of stories here today. And the first one I want to look at is in 2 Chronicles chapter 15. And what we find in Israel and Judah and Benjamin are times of revival, times of absolute decadence and a wandering away from God. But then the times of revival when The people would cry out to God and God would answer them. Of course, there's many different parts of scripture you can read, but I'd like to read this one. It's about Asa and his reforms and why and how he gets there. Let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 15 and let's read. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed. Now, he's a prophet. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, listen to me, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him, need to take note of that. If you seek him, he will be found by you. What a great word. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel and sought him and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil, one nation was being crushed by another and one city by another because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. Mm, look at that. But as for you, be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. When Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, son of Obed, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He prepared the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. Then it goes on of many exploits. Asa is not the only one throughout Israel's history who had done things like this. I've talked about Josiah and his reforms, but Asa, here he is a king in Judah and Benjamin, which would have been the two southern tribes that are still trying to serve the Lord. But I wanted you to take notice of the process and what it took to bring the people. And that's it. The leader did not respond until he saw a couple of things. Number one, the bottom falling out from his kingdom. In other words, there is chaos and they're in danger of not existing anymore. So sometimes it just takes absolute hitting the bottom before leaders will take a step. Secondly, the people begin to cry out. When we think about our times, we must know that our leaders are not going to make moves until they see two things. One, until they see that what they're doing and the choices they're making are destroying their nation, number one. And number two, that the people cry out in such sufficient quantity that God begins to move on their behalf. Now notice that it says here, that God was the one who was troubling them. So this, of course, is a principle that can be applied to many different levels of life, the personal life, the life of a nation, a life of a family, a life of any group of people, or even a business, any entity that is gathering, it can experience chaos because of the choices that are being made. Now, of course, as believers, we boil it down to those people that are choosing those things which are right. Now, some would say that in our nation right now, we're going through a mighty shaking, and it all is a matter of perspective. You can look at our nation and say it's falling apart, it's being led by evil people, people who are doing terrible things, and we're in trouble and more trouble and chaos is coming. You can look at it that way, and that very well may be true. But on the other hand, you could look at it like, well, now the people are beginning to awaken and see it. And if they're seeing it, then what are they doing? Well, I know that the church for the most part is beginning to awaken and they're beginning to cry out to God. And that's a good thing. And then eventually this will continue to gain steam as the churches continue to preach the word and continue to stand up to ridiculous things that we see taking place when it comes to morality and our human status and how God has made us to be and the importance of family and the importance of being responsible and ethical with money and with human relationships. The truth of the matter is what we have discovered is there's an incredible amount of paganism and evil that has been taking place for quite some time. And we didn't know it because it was being well hidden. But now it's beginning to leak. And of course, as the chaos and the panic begins to grow, we see the enemies of God beginning to do things that are becoming more overt and therefore exposing themselves, see, exposing their belief, exposing their practices And so the more panic you see, the more obviously getting closer to truth. And so we are watching this process go on. And how do we as the people of God respond? Well, it's for me in my house. You know, God approaches Joshua in a very similar way and say, look, if you're going to go forward in me, then, you know, Joshua asks the angel, "Well, who are you for, for me or for my enemy and he goes on well, neither. <laughs> I'm for God and God alone. This is up to you to decide whether you're with God. Because if you're with God that I'm here to help you, well that is a word, isn't it? A word to our generations, especially the young people who are now probably the most deceived and brainwashed and have been attacked. In a long, long time, young people are very vulnerable right now, having come through a mass hysteria that has weakened them. They're looking for those who will understand. They're looking for inclusion. And so they're finding it in the arms of very evil people and those who are confused. Well, once you get a very large army of very, very evil and confused people, you've got trouble, real trouble. So we're praying, we're asking God. Joshua was, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It comes down to individual decisions. And you may think as you're listening to me saying, well, what does it matter? You know, in this ocean of control that we see going on in the world today, in this ocean of media that continues to speak lies and movies that are constantly brainwashing young people to think, crazy stuff like that movie Zootopia. I mean, if you didn't see that this was a precursor to what we see now, then you weren't listening. You weren't watching. You didn't have your heart open to see what was going on there. Of course, I did and told my children the same. It's just like, okay, I see what's going on here. So we have to be prepared. And again, we can't wait for everybody else to move. And we can't wait to say, I'm going to be courageous when everybody else becomes courageous now there is some measure of truth to that and i remember hearing a quote that said you know the courageous or patriots as it was since it was samuel clemens who said this he said you know patriots are the ones who essentially sacrifice and then the general population comes in like a flood when it will cost them nothing so that's generally the way it works and i understand that but i'm calling to you to be like a true warrior of God. To be like one who will say, you know what? For me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I am going to stand for what is right. I don't know if those around me are going to. It doesn't matter. If I'm the only one in the field, then that's the way it'll be. But what we often find is that we won't be. Because number one, if we're on the side of God, then we have the army of the living God with us. It's like Elijah, when God tells him, he says, what are you doing here? Why are you here in this cave? Go back, I've reserved 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to this evil and will rise up when I call them. See, we feel alone, but we're not alone. The enemy wants to make us think we're alone and we run for it and we hide and try to find God in the cave. And God says, what are you doing here? I'm getting ready to shake the land and you need to be a part of it. Go and do what I tell you to do. So we see so many biblical comparisons and stories and anecdotes that fit our particular situation, but it ultimately comes down to the choice that you and I make as individuals. What are we going to do? Are we going to be undaunted or are we waiting for the tide to turn? Warriors don't wait for the tide to turn. Warriors fight then and hold their line. Warriors don't let fearful conditions change their conviction in what they believe. They don't pick up and run. They hold their place. And that's what we need. We need those who are willing to hold their place in the line for morality, to hold our place in the line for family and the protection of children and the absolute conviction that it is the responsibility of parents to help their children understand and to grow. And there are those who are deceived, even believers who think that that is not true, or that they just even let a little bit of confusion in to say that, well, you know, a child is not complete until somebody else is able to come and to speak into their lives. Folks, can I just share with you, if you're a parent and listening to this, you don't have to be a genius to raise your children. You don't have to even be knowledgeable of all of these things. What you want to do is teach your children the things that are the most important. And that is confidence. That is courage. That is the confidence to learn and to think and to be logical. Because once you've prepared them as an emotionally secure individual human being, the sky is a limit. Learning and having knowledge in their head is not the goal because anyone can sit down and parrot back information, but it takes courage and it takes a person of maturity and wholeness to be able to grow with the kind of confidence that comes from morality and believing in the things of God. See, this is what the enemy wants to strip away from humanity. And that's those who are doing this are being led by a satanic assault, And we have got to stand against it. We have got to teach our children to be confident in the things of God. They need to be confident that they can learn and that they can do anything. They can learn because they're confident to learn. Now, we as parents definitely look at their aptitudes and their skills. and We work along with that, too. We flow with that. If they're athletic, we encourage the athleticism. If they're not and they've got other strengths, then we don't force it upon them. We help their canoe go down the tributary that is right for them. You know, And I'm not talking about moral issues. That tributary is clear. There's only one. <laughs> I'm talking about skill sets. But again, teaching them confidence. So the undaunted, courageous spirit produces another generation of courageous, undaunted spirits and souls. So here we are. I think of David. David was so steeped in self-confidence because of God. It didn't necessarily come from his dad and his brothers, even though I'm sure it did. We just don't know a lot about that. We know he was the son of Jesse, and we know Jesse is tied to a lineage of powerful people, and people who knew God, and miraculous events, so on and so forth. But David David is a man who has been pretty much raised up in the ways of God, so that when he faces his Goliath, I mean, look at the story. It's remarkable. All of these men are not willing to move. He is the patriot. He is the one who says, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not alone in this battle. I've got God. When I've got God, I've got it all. And the other men are just standing there paralyzed until David makes the move. And until David wins the day and taking down just one Goliath, just one man, even though, of course, he's nine foot tall and can beat anybody, you know, he can destroy in swabs. But taking him down gave the army courage so that they could then launch out and bring a tremendous victory for Israel against the Philistines. These stories are ours. They're put in the book for a reason, for not only just us knowing the truths, but seeing these truths illustrated, give us courage, give us that undaunted spirit. And so I speak to you fathers that are listening to me, or fathers in the spirit, or leaders of all kinds, men and women. Know that the undaunted spirit is what leadership is. And as you make a move, and as you move forward in courage, people are watching. As a father, your children are watching. As a husband, your wife is watching. As a leader, those you are leading are watching. As a pastor, they're watching. Your congregation, all of it. It's important. This is a season of Asas, Davids, and warriors who are willing to stand up and stand for the glory of God. My friend, I thank you for joining me here today, and I am so grateful that you did. And may God bless you and fill you with faith and courage in these days. Amen. Bless, talk to you, and see you next time.